Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm Jill Economo, your host and director of community outreach at Ellen Becker. You know, we've got a lot of really great things going on in our city. We've got Giannis and the Bucks, right? We've also got the Brewers, who were getting some notoriety the last few seasons. We have a number of top historical and cultural attractions around town, and seven of the nine Wisconsin-based Fortune 500 companies are right here in the Milwaukee area. So great stuff. But unfortunately, there are other areas where we don't fare very well. For example, Milwaukee is currently number seven in top 10 most dangerous cities in America, and overall poverty rate is 27%. That's about one in four of our neighbors living in poverty, 43% if you look at children specifically. And even though some reports show homelessness is decreasing, there's about 900 people enduring life on the streets every night. Many of them are believed to be military veterans. My first guest today is Donna Rungholt Megan, Executive Director of the Cathedral Center, which is a local outreach serving women and families experiencing homelessness in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. Welcome to the show today, Donna. Thank you so much for having us. We're really grateful that Ellen Becker takes the time to shed a light on these critical needs in Milwaukee and also points to the solutions. Well, we're excited to hear what you're, what you're going to be talking about today. Um, it's, it's amazing when I think about the fact that there's more than 900 people every night struggling to put a roof over their heads, and in some cases their families as well, right? And now we've got these homeless camps around the city where people set up temporary homes, but now they've been given a deadline to vacate. They have to find alternative housing. So there's definitely a problem that needs to be addressed. So Certainly. why is the plight of the homelessness so important to you specifically, Donna? Why, why do you do what you do? So homelessness is really important to me because it shouldn't exist. It just shouldn't exist. I'm a human being. I have a safe place to sleep at night. My children have a safe place to sleep. Um, we have a support system. We have food to eat. We get to make choices in our day-to-day lives. People who are homeless or experiencing a housing crisis don't have those, those choices, and they're not safe. And so they're human beings, and they deserve to have a safe place to live. Mm, that's, that's very true. I mean, we, anybody can travel around the streets of Milwaukee and see Absolutely. people out there. And, uh, you know, there are a number of, of places that uh, people can go to to help, of which Cathedral Center is one. Um, but why is it important to Milwaukee? Milwaukee's poverty rate um, has kind of stayed the same for probably the last 15 years, for as long as I can remember. It's time to move that needle. And, you know, homelessness is a direct result of poverty. So homelessness in and of itself isn't the only issue that we're dealing with. It's a symptom of a far bigger, broader issue um, that our community really needs to face and really needs to create solutions for. Mm. Well, we know that, that... That peop- there are organizations out there that are uh, looking to um, to make a difference. Obviously, um, what when did the Cathedral Center get started, and so ca- how are they you know different from maybe some of the other organizations that are out there? Yeah, so Cathedral Center started about seventeen years ago, nearly seventeen years ago, and it was and it began as a partnership effort. So six other organizations in the community came together to address the fact that they were finding that more and more women and um, families with children were, um, were going to shelters and shelters didn't have the capacity to serve them. 
So they decided to create an overflow opportunity for women and families, and that's how the Cathedral Center started. So this group, this consortium that came together, problem-solved one winter where they created overflow shelter um, for women and families, and then the next winter they were asked to do it again but stay open longer, Mm. and then it became a year-round request, and then they determined that, well, obviously... This isn't a short-term temporary problem. This is something that is continuing to grow, and we need to create a solution um, that will be more long-term. So that's how Cathedral Center started. Okay, so you've been doing this now for almost 17 years. Um, You know, what changes have you seen in the women and the families that you serve? You know, how has Cathedral Center evolved to, to meet those changing needs? So Cathedral Center was originally supposed to just be a, a central access place. So um, so folks were going to be brought to um, our agency. We were going to assess them and move them very quickly on to the other resources that were available, other shelters, Salvation Army, Hope House, Women's Center, et cetera. Um, but what we found it right very, very soon um, after we opened our doors is that um, there weren't always another solution. Like those options weren't always available to them. So what we, when we envisioned people coming in and just staying for a couple of days and moving on to the next place turned into really people staying for several weeks and then, um, you know, several months or a few months um, in order to get moved on to that next safe place. So 17 years ago, the average length of stay was three days. um, And now today, the average length of stay is about 60 to 90 days. Mm, Okay. And then so... So anywhere from three days to 60, 90 days. You know, I heard, I interviewed Street Angels a while ago, and they were talking about these warming rooms right. that are around the city. And so, you know, I think about, there's, they said that they're filled constantly. And so, you know, who, where do the people come from specifically that you're servicing? I mean, who, um, who does the organization serve? Because there's certainly a number, as we said, over 900 that are out there sleeping on the streets every night. Where do the people come from? Do they get um, referred to you, or can they just knock on your doors and say, I need shelter for the night? I mean, who who do you serve? So Cathedral Center's mission is to provide a safe environment for women and families while working to end homelessness one life at a time. And the reason why I repeat that at this point is because um, we need to provide a safe environment, so there really is no wrong door. Um, However... We have a really strong, important, and critical relationship with our coordinated entry system, which is run by 211 at Impact. And the coordinated entry system is a 24-7 information and referral line. People can call there, and the operators will assess their needs. They'll they'll determine um, a level of vulnerability, and then they'll refer people to the available housing or shelter resources based on their vulnerability. Ah, So 17 years ago, first come, first serve. We were typically serving people who were most able to advocate for themselves, Um, people who had lost their jobs, who um, might have had a temporary setback because of a health issue, that kind of thing. Today, we're serving people who are most vulnerable um, because um, they can't advocate for themselves. They they lack the same degree of self-awareness or the same support system. Um, It's really long-term, deeply entrenched intergenerational poverty, mental illness, trauma, significant trauma in our, compu- in our community, um, addiction, um, longstanding unemployment. Mm. Um, and all of the 
uh, maladaptive behaviors that come with having to deal with that, those kinds of difficulties on, on a personal level every single day. Mm. So, so you <coughs> must be working then with other organizations. I mean, if you talk about an individual coming to your, uh, coming through your doors that has uh, multiple needs, you know, not just homelessness, but as you said, maybe mental health uh, issues. Or so you obviously are are assessing their needs from a, a you know, from a broad spectrum, and then saying, okay, we can help in this area, and then we can point you to this resource that can help you, and this resource that can help you? Right. Okay. So Cathedral Center has a case management team that really is the primary um, service that we offer. I mean, the shelter keeps them safe, and we feed them, and we nurture them that way, but the case management team is what moves them towards their goal. They provide a very thorough assessment. They create a very specific individualized plan for independence that focuses on increasing their income, securing a safe place to live, and whatever personal skills. But more importantly, what they're looking at is for every goal, what's going to get in your way of achieving that goal? Let's remove that barrier. Or what personal assets do you already have that exist that we can build upon that will help you to achieve that goal? Okay, so you're Um, getting them thinking. I mean, it's not just come here and we'll feed you, but we'll teach you how to fish. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah, so that, you know, we're not just giving you the fish, we're teaching you how to fish, right? Um, so is that how uh, Cathedral Center is leading the way and in, in providing solutions to the homeless and the housing crisis? I think so. And what I'm really proud of is that Cathedral Center um, and, and uh, many providers in Milwaukee County through our continuum of care work very collaboratively to end homelessness. So a few years ago, you know, we could say there were 1,500 people outside homeless or outside and in shelters. Um, today we're saying 900, and that's because our community came together very collaboratively mm. um, to wonderful? solve this problem yeah. together. So yeah. it's not just Cathedral Center, but we're absolutely very um, uh, proud of our individualized approach to uh, serving women and families who need us. Yeah, and again, uh, we've said many, many times that, you know, we deal with tough issues. Uh, there, are, We have struggles. There are things that go on in our city that that are tough to talk about sometimes, but we want to shine a light on the people that are doing something and turning that around and are creating positive change. So um, I've talked with various people who have defined themselves as a friend, quote unquote, of the nonprofit that they're passionate about working with. When you think of a friend, you think of someone that you share interests with, right? You know, one dictionary defines a friend as a person or a group who supports or sympathizes with another group or a cause. So stay tuned to hear about a friend who put his passion for the Cathedral Center into action. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Adana Rungholt-Megan, Executive Director of the Cathedral Center. And joining us is a friend of the Cathedral Center, Dan McCarthy. Welcome to the show today, Dan. Thanks, Jill. It's great to be here. So how did you first become involved in or aware of the Cathedral Center? Well, it was a a very personal experience that I went through. Uh, A good friend of my wife's called her uh, one uh, one afternoon, and she had um, really completely uh, fallen apart, both uh, emotionally, physically, and monetarily. And she was sitting on the curb without her apartment anymore. And I thought I was a pretty connected guy in the community, active in a lot of different things. 
But when my wife turned to me with this problem and said, what can we do to help? I was a little stumped at first. But then in the back of my mind, I remembered 211. So I called 211. I knew it was kind of the uh, 911 for social services mm -hmm, uh, is mm -hmm. my short version of it. And uh, we were directed to the c Cathedral Center. And uh, we uh, took my, my wife's friend there. Uh, she was there for really a fairly brief stay, but they helped her in many, many different ways. Helped get her back on her feet, right? Absolutely. Found her a safe place to live mm -hmm. uh, where she still enjoys uh, a very um, satisfying living arrangement uh, in, in a wonderful apartment uh, and helped her reestablish herself. Uh, when I, uh, they had a, a fundraiser. Uh, a few months later, and I wanted to go show my uh, both my support for what they did and then actually meet the people who helped her and mm -hmm. to say thank you. Well, I met, uh, had some uh, mutual friends that I, I didn't know were going to be there, but were there, and I think about a month later, I got a tap on the shoulder from one of my <laughs> those friends saying, I'd like to have lunch with you, and this woman named Donna, Donna Ronghold-Megan. <laughs> and uh, before I knew it, I was on the board, and I served on the board for six years, terming off uh, after serving as president of the board. And uh, found uh, uh, the organization just extremely remarkable in many, many ways. Um, as a businessman, I saw the social service agency uh, using terms like uh, data-driven decision-making and strategic planning. And all these terms we learned in business school, but I didn't really ever expect to see in the nonprofit sector. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was, and, and uh, also became aware of uh, what's called the um, continuum of care, which is a countywide umbrella organization which comes together monthly. There's about 40, 50 organizations that belong to the continuum of care. They come together monthly to plan, to share information, to support each other over this issue of homelessness. I found that truly remarkable. Yeah, yeah. Well, so help us understand then how Friends of the Cathedral Center is different from the Cathedral Center. Or how, how do you uh, work together? You know, how did it get started? Good question, Jill. Well, when after my term on the board, I saw, uh, I was able to stand back and look at the organizational needs. And I saw that the uh, Cathedral Center had many supporters, um, our wonderful, you know, uh, hundreds of hospitality volunteers, volunteers of every kind. And I, I saw uh, the potential for bringing all these volunteers together uh, under uh, one kind of community called the Friends of the Cathedral Center, much like you would have friends of an arts group and, sure. and the like. Okay. And uh, was able to uh, find a few like-minded individuals who would help me organize it. And uh, we're there to uh, serve, to educate, uh, and to um, develop resources for the Cathedral Center. Well, give us some idea of, of what are some of the group's goals. Well, one is to educate the community. It's a very important uh, aspect of this because I, I feel that as the community uh, knows more, it's empowered to support those, uh, those solutions. So we hold an educational program at least once a year where we ta tackle uh, topics uh, related to homelessness and poverty. Uh, we invite the public uh, to, uh, to, you know, to, to come and participate in those forums. We've 
uh, held forums on everything from eviction uh, to trauma, and it's been a very effective way. We also uh, serve hospitality at the Cathedral Center, which is the evening meal that serves about 60 individuals. Okay. And uh, we do that. uh, We fill in the gaps that can uh, occur in that program. Um, And then we uh, have special drives. Uh, This summer we did a pillow drive, (laughs) and we're able to uh, generate a number of donations for that. We also help at special events. and uh, Holiday time, probably, uh, yeah. A a little bit at holiday time, absolutely. And uh, uh, the major uh, uh, annual fundraiser for the Cathedral Center is the Pathway Home. And that occurs uh, in summer, and we often su- we support that as well. Okay. So if there's a listener out there that wants to get involved in the Friends of the Cathedral Center, um, how do they get involved? Uh, they can simply contact the Cathedral Center. Uh, it's a, it has a strong website, and there'll be a, a button on that website that they can uh, solicit their, uh, provide their information, and we'll get back to them. And Make them a friend. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Who, who doesn't need a friend, right? I mean, who, need, can, who, who doesn't need a friend like Dan? I mean, really. <laughs> that could be a song. <laughs> a friend like Dan. Donna, what are some other ways that individuals can help at the Cathedral Center? Do you need to have a specific background in psychology or, or uh, nursing or something? Well, in it order doesn't to hurt, be... but no, that's not necessary. Okay. Um, we can use help in all kinds of ways. So, you know, as Dan referenced, we have a really strong volunteer program. We have over 1,400 individuals who support our services um, annually. 1,400? 1,400. Wow. It's incredible. Now, without that... I really don't know that we would make it. Um, it's an incredible gift, an incredible gift. So those people are interns, they're reception volunteers, they're shelter aides. Um, a, a large bulk of them are people who um, create our hospitality gr- uh, groups who come in every night to serve a meal. So they purchase food, they prepare it, they bring it to our shelter, and then they serve it, along with lots of smiles and hugs and an occasional birthday treat. Um, that kind of thing. So there's, we're always, always grateful for people who are interested in volunteering. Um, and then, you know, in-kind support. So, you know, that could come in the form of, like, right now we're being really well supported by a number of organizations who are providing holiday gifts for the people okay. that we serve. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a really wonderful, long-standing uh, tradition with Takun Hayer, which is a Jewish organization, and they come on Christmas. Christmas Eve to provide a meal and hand out gifts and the rabbi is Santa Claus. It's a lovely, lovely partnership. Nice. Um, and so we can always use things like that. There, there's a wish list on our website that is updated on a regular basis. So if our case managers, for example, identify a particular need that's urgent, recently it was pack and plays, um, oh, we can okay. put it, we mm-hmm. update our wish list. It can be linked to the Amazon site and, and through Amazon Smiles and then um, now we have an abundance of pack and place that we can both use in shelter as well as give out to people in the community. And of course, of course, you know, 62% of our funding um, annually has to be raised from private individuals and foundations. Okay, that was going to be my next question, funding. I right. Mean, have you been grant recipients um, in the past? Or, you know, how do you, how do you raise your money to, pro- to provide the services that well, you Well, so we do, have, um, we do have really strong contracts with uh, Milwaukee County, with the city of Milwaukee, with the state. Um, and, and like as I said, 62% of our funding comes from private organizations and individuals. So that's foundations, that's private donations, um, and uh, philanthropic efforts. Okay. It's really remarkable, Jill. When I first started on the board, uh, I think our budget was funded about two-thirds with government-related uh, funding and one-third private. 
by the time, six years later, when I left that board, it had absolutely flipped around, where the funding is about one-third government, now two-thirds private. Nice. Very nice. Well, let's say somebody has... I don't know, you know, end of year, people are going through their their belongings. Let's say mm-hmm. you have a big bag of things to donate. Can people just drop off donated uh, clothing, things like that? I don't recommend just random drop-offs of clothing because okay. our storage is very, very limited. Um, oh, okay. So we use every square inch of our space for direct service as much as we possibly can. We have a very small closet for okay. our donated clothing. Okay. preferred would be gift cards to Kohl's or Walmart or places like that. So if a person does need a new outfit for that interview or something like that, we can give them a gift card and they can go pick something out that fits them. Well, and that that makes me think about uh, uh, professional clothing. You know, you're trying to educate these people Mm -hmm. so that they can be self-sustaining, right? Right. So there used to be a place, and I don't know if it's still open on the south side, where professional women can drop off suits and, you know, uh, professional uh, clothing so that it can be used again. You guys don't do that then? No, we okay. don't do that. I'm not sure if that but they ex- But they exist out there, and a little web search would really okay. – um, I, I particularly use the House of Peace quite okay. frequently. Okay. Right. So you don't, per- you don't take donations like that, but you could you, – you could direct – uh, we could direct them there. to the service sure. that was okay. appropriate for them. Okay. And certainly, as I said, just just look at our wish list on the website. And if there's a, a, a specific need there, it will be okay. quickly uh, communicated. Okay. Well, we're coming to the close of our interview. Um, I would like to ask you both this question. Um, you know, with the cause as serious as homelessness, what is it that gives you hope? So I, I look to... Um, and I'll get a little emotional. I look to the people who have been served in our programs and where they are now. So I think of the father who came into shelter with his uh, then three-year-old daughter who was really traumatized by his own upbringing and was determined not to let any, he was going to protect his child and um, didn't even want her to go to school, was afraid of, of anyone being near his daughter when he wasn't around. So through you know, compassion and support. Our case management team worked with him. He enrolled her in school. Um, They supported him through that emotional process. Um, And then he moved over to Friendship House, which is our second site and one of our, our, and our strongest partner. Um, And that enabled us to provide him with, um, with um, emergency housing in a flexible housing approach for another almost two years. Um, I can tell you that that father and his daughter are now safely housed. He works full time. He has a saving. He has. He left supported um, housing with no debt, and mm-hmm. his daughter was thrilled to show when they came back to visit to show the staff at Friendship House um, a picture of her brand new bed, mm-hmm. which was pink with flowers on it. Oh, yeah. I can see why it would be easy to love what you do when you see how lives can be changed. Absolutely, and that you're a part of that. So that's exciting. Dan, what about you? Any last words? Well, um, when I see the people uh, that are on Donna's team, Donna and her team, uh, I like to tell people they put the science in social science. They know what it takes to turn people around and to get them stabilized and functioning uh, back to where they can support themselves and have a more conventional life. And it they... Uh, uh, it's it's inspiring to me to see their dedication to this effort, but also the results that that d- dedication produces. Yeah, yeah. 
That speaks volumes, I'm sure. Uh, so if anybody wants to get a hold of Cathedral Center, give us the uh, website, phone numbers, contact information. So our website is www.cathedral-center.org, um, and our phone number is 414-831-0394. One more time, that phone number? 414-831-0394. Okay. Well, thank you both for all you do for the homeless in our community. We wish you much success uh, in all the ways that you're reaching out and helping. So thank you for being here today. Thank you Thanks, so Jill. much for having us. You're welcome. There's a constant stretch of resources for nonprofit organizations, and that's why we talk about the importance of collaboration. You know, partnerships are important to leverage to ensure that services are provided efficiently to the people the nonprofits serve. So stay tuned as we learn how the partnership the Cathedral Center has with the Friendship House has improved the city's landscape of homelessness. We'll be right back after a short break. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. My next guests today are Amy Janenga, Board Director, uh, Treasurer, and Obi Wabuzer, Board Member of the Friendship House in Milwaukee. Welcome to the show today, ladies. Thank you, Jill. Thank you for having us. So why don't you start by telling us first, how... How did the organization come to be? You know, how long has the Friendship House been around? What their mission is? The Friendship House has been around for 152 years. We were started in 1867 by a group of ladies. And they wanted to have a place to help other women who needed a place to live um, for a short period of time. Most of them only stayed for up to two weeks, and they were provided a place to live and their meals, and most of them worked. And if they were able to, they paid a um, weekly rent to be able to stay there. So our mission is to afford protection and employment or assistance to needy women and children until permanent homes and means of support could be secured for them. Okay. Well, how did you guys get involved with the organization then? I think we both knew somebody who was on the board who yeah. asked us to come join. Um, there's seven board members, and we all sort of bring different skills and gifts to the board. And at that point, I think the treasurer was getting close to finishing her term, so they asked me to join the board to help with some of the finances. And Obi, you're probably one of the youngest members of the board, right? Yeah, How did you I get am involved? the youngest member on the board. I'm well, there the you go. youngest member in history, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I got involved, uh, yeah, through somebody on the board. Um, one of our board members is a member of uh, Temple Milwaukee, which is a professional women's group here. And I ran into her at an event, um, at a luncheon, and we were sitting next to each other. It's the first time I had ever met her, and she was just getting to know me. I had been finishing my uh, master's in business administration during that time, and she said, are you interested in serving in, on a board? And I said, I know Robert's rule of order, you know, um, <laughs> and, you know, that's something up my alley. I have, you know, passions with economic security and um, youth empowerment and education. And she was like, OK, I'll send you some um, information on a board that I am, you know, give me your business card. So we exchange information. And over the weekend, she sent me some information on the Friendship House. So that is how I um, came to be. And you and said, I, absolutely, I'll get involved. I did. Once yeah. I saw the mission and I realized that we had some faith based principles and um, also realized that it was an all-women's board, so I was excited to be a part. Yeah, P great place to get your feet wet, right? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, my understanding is that the Friendship House is known for being one of the oldest 
women serving organizations in Milwaukee. You must hear some great stories about the early years. Can you can you share some of those with us? Sure. I've got a couple about a few of our earliest um, clients, although back then they actually called them inmates, which doesn't sound very positive anymore. But um, the first person I heard of Friendship House serving was a woman who they kind of found on the street who was starving. She didn't have any money to buy food because she had spent it all on a sewing machine so that she could start taking in work to earn money. But she didn't have enough work to get the money yet, so they brought her to the Friendship House where she lived for a couple weeks, was able to do some work, earn some money, and then be able to move out on her own. Um, Another early story is um, about a German widow who came over on the boat and on the way lost both her husband and four of her kids, arrived in New York... Um, was met by a swindler who pretty quickly exchanged her $1,400 in savings for counterfeit bills Mm. and um, sort of sent her on the way. She sold everything else she had left to get to Milwaukee because she thought she had friends in Milwaukee. When she arrived in Milwaukee, she realized they'd all moved further out west. And so here she was in Milwaukee with nothing. There were a lot of posters and things at the train stations back then for Friendship House, although I don't think I mentioned originally we were the home for the friendless when we were first started. Um, And somebody met her there and brought her to the Friendship House, along with she had one surviving son, a one-year-old who was with her. And she lived at the Friendship House until they were able to contact family or relatives in Germany and get her back home. Oh, okay. So she went back to Germany, but she got the help she needed when she was here. So what year did you say the Friendship House started? 1867. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, how have things changed then over the years? You know, how how do you stay relevant? Honestly, it's changed a lot. Um, From the notes I looked at, we started almost as a boarding house, a boarding room. Charged $1.50 a week to the ladies who lived there. All of them had jobs but couldn't necessarily afford their own house or their own apartment, so they lived here in our boarding house. Generally just a cap of two weeks. Um, But over the years, we've done a lot of different things that um, during the fire in the Third Ward in 1892, they took in anybody who had, um, was injured in the fire. My understanding is we had 45 victims of the fire living in our home for a couple of days. And the um, matron and the board of the home we're out in the street watching. I think the fire came within a block of our house before it was finally stopped. And where is the house exactly? We've had several over the years. Currently, we're at 1029 North Marshall Street. So we were a boarding house. We, have, we took in Japanese women who were evacuees en route to join their husbands in 1944 after the war. We've sort of adapted for what was needed at the time. So it was very short-term. Then, you know, initially we had a number of elderly women who lived there, and they were often allowed to stay a little bit longer. Um, We had been doing um, transitional housing for a while, and I think the biggest thing was when they decided to make it individualized so there wasn't a set term anymore. It wasn't the two weeks. If you needed longer, you could have longer to get ready and that. Um, so we've changed. We ran it all ourselves for many, many years, employed the staff and ran the programs. And then we worked with um, the Joy House, part of the Milwaukee Rescue mm-hmm, Mission, for mm-hmm. a number of years. And then we started working with the Cathedral Center. So I was talking with Donna and, pa- and uh, Dan in the last segment about how the women come to the Cathedral Center. So with uh, the Friendship House, is it, is it similar? I mean, can anybody just 
walk up to your location on Marshall Street and knock on the door and say, I need help? Or, you know, how do you, how do people come to you? Um, all of the women who stay at our home come through referrals from other shelters, okay. one of which is the Cathedral Center Shelter, but also Sojourner's Shelter, um, Hope Center, and that. But normally they've been in a shelter, have been screened, and kind of know that they're going to be a good fit for our program. Okay. So we know that we have a uh, a homelessness problem in Milwaukee. So some of those people that are in those homeless camps that have to find alternative housing, they just can't come up to you and say, you know, can we stay here kind of thing, right? Correct. I mean, yeah, they have correct. to go through channels. Okay. All right. Um, so give us an idea on some of the different services and uh, programs that you offer. Um, we start well by providing them a safe place to live. Okay, then we have a women's independence program that they can work with, a whole computer lab where they can work on resumes, um, relationships with some various companies that sort of might help them get that first job to get them experience. Um, we have a program with um, placement of kids that um, will help them get full custody of their child. They may have had their child removed um, through um, the county system, I think, is who usually does it. And then we work with the county and their case manager provide to help them with the visits and teach them parenting techniques and that to help them get reunited with their children. Okay. Yeah, and 100% of families are placed in shelter. And then regardless of length of stay, um, they're always exited to a safe placement. Okay. Yes, we help them find a place to go. So a lot of them have different things they need to do, whether it's pay off past debts, find a job, parenting needs. We help them through that process, and then we help them find a safe place to go into, whether it's an apartment, a senior living center. Some of them may go with friends or something, but we make sure they have a safe environment to move into. Okay, so you're working with a number of other organizations in addition to Cathedral Center to try and find the best outcome for these people that are, yes. that are struggling. Sometimes it's other programs, or sometimes it's other organizations, sometimes it's specific programs, like Section 8 program that we've helped them apply to that program to be able to get reduced rental payments wherever oh. they move to. Okay. So we do have um, clinical case management on staff that works with each woman on an individual basis to see what her needs are and to help her reach those goals. Okay. Well, we talk about how important collaboration is because one organization can't do it all, right? Uh, stay tuned to find out how Friendship House and Cathedral Center have been a good fit in terms of collaboration. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm talking today with Amy Janenga, who is Board Treasurer, and Obi Wabuzer, who is also a board member from the Friendship House in Milwaukee. So help us understand how this partnership works between the Friendship House and um, the Cathedral Center. Okay, we began working with the Cathedral Center in October of 2016, and our goal is to provide women and um, their families with flexible emergency housing support. And so what it allows them to do when they come into a shelter, generally they have 90 days 
to stay there and to find another place to live. And for some um, women and families, that's not enough time to pay off past debts, to clear evictions, to find a job and that. So what Friendship House is able to do is to provide them with flexible housing where they're reviewed every 30 days, but they're allowed to stay for up to two years, which gives them more time to get better systems in place to be able to find a successful outcome for their housing. So does someone start at Friendship House and then go to Cathedral Center, or do they start at Cathedral Center and go the other way, or are you just both swapping um, um, the people that you serve? You know, how, how They don't that... really go back and forth. They start yeah. at any shelter in town. We accept referrals from any of the emergency shelters, and then they come to us, and then hopefully they leave us in a successful long-term pl- housing placement. Right, okay. so we do a, a individual plan for everybody that comes in with a goal focused on housing, income, and personal development. Um, each program participant then receives individual support and creating a plan that is unique to their own individual needs. So then the case management program support is required while therapy is optional, and it's available through an in-house clinical therapist as well. So then Cathedral Center's Women Independence Program supports all of our guests at the Friendship House seeking income and employment support. So that creates then the pathway for long-term um, sustainability in their lives. Okay, so um, does the, the the Cathedral Center, uh, again, I'm, I want to just reiterate so that people understand. So if someone, the Cathedral Center allows people to stay up to 90 days, and then if you don't have, if you have not secured housing for them, then they can go to the Friendship House, which allows for longer stay? Yes. Correct. Yes. And that's where the flexible housing stay comes in. Okay, okay. Well, I understand that your bylaws had to change in order for this partnership to work, right? Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, definitely. So the Friendship House's um, mission statement and bylaws were updated prior to the Cathedral Center committing to the the partnership in 2016. Um, We required that we be able to serve the same demographics at both locations. Um, Initially, we were just serving women and children. Um, So that included teenage boys and men and families. Um, One of the first families to be served after the partnership was secured in 2016, and it was actually a single father. Um, It was definitely an adjustment for the Friendship House board, but, you know, they say now that there was absolutely nothing to worry about, and they're actually very grateful for the opportunity to keep men involved and their families as well. Yeah, because, I mean, men are in a homeless situation as well, right? So we're trying to provide solutions, or you're trying to provide solutions, so you're trying to provide solutions to everyone. Right. Being inclusive. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, we're trying to keep families together. We don't serve single men. We serve single women, and we serve families. Okay. So if it's a two-parent family, we want to keep them together with their children. There's other resources, quite a few, I think, in Milwaukee for single men who are homeless and need help. There's much limited opportunities for families where there's both a mom and a dad and children who need a place to live. And that's the need that we were trying to meet. Sure. Okay. We had just previously just been women and killed children, so it was all single women. And now we've added um, married women and um, men. Okay. I guess I'm thinking about if, if a, a mother... I'm thinking about a particular individual that I know where uh, they were a family, but she was afraid for her her children's safety as well as herself. So, yes, you know, how do you deal with something like that? I think um, probably some of that would have been addressed with whatever um, legal services and things she needed with the police probably in the shelter okay. and make sure that she and her children were in a safe place. And that probably is part of their assessment. You know, they're working with a case manager. They would look at those risks. 
and then determine what's a good place for her. I know there are services in town specifically for women who have been abused and battered that have a lot more true um, security, legal protection, police involvement okay. Okay. than our home does. Okay. Um, but in, to go back in our house, each family has their own room. So if it's a husband and wife, they and their children will be in one room in our home. Okay. Okay. So and we have a family eight, together. That's nice. Yes. Yeah. So we have eight rooms for families and then four beds for single women. Okay. So, okay. So how have you adjusted to all these changes over the years? You know, you talked, one of the things you talked about is that you didn't serve men in the, in the past and, and now you do, you know, thanks to your partnership with the Cathedral Center. So how, what are some ways that you've adjusted to changes over the years? I would say definitely um, looking at the demographic of our board um, and increasing the number of members on the board, um, as well as our partnership with um, the Cathedral Center, um, increasing their staff, um, having more individuals who are competent in certain areas, um, specifically trauma-informed care, um, being able to um, provide those services in various areas to be able to get to every demographic, not only just women. Okay. I would just say over the years, I believe our board has been very adaptable. If you think of 20-some women back in 1867 deciding they needed this, and they started this on their own. They went out and raised the money, started the corporation, rented a house, then bought a house, and they've changed who they've served many, many times over the years just based on a need that was seen. So I think they worked really well with other nonprofits in the area and that for what the need was. And that's pretty much, I think, what we did when we met Donna and Cathedral Center was we were trying to figure out what does Milwaukee need right now? Do they need transitional housing? Right, right. Because that's what we'd been doing, or was there some other need that we could meet? So it's been, it's been a very proactive board, I believe, as far as trying to make sure that there is a need for what we're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, I know at one point we even wondered, do we need our house? Is there still need for this, or should we help sell our house and try to do other things with the funds that we have? Hmm. Well, everybody's thinking, right? You know how to be, how to provide the best service and, and care. So that's important. Um, so for those people out there that might uh, wish to reach out somehow and get involved, um, what would you say is is needed then to continue your progress? So to continue our progress, um, we can probably use your time, any talents you have, um, your funds. Cathedral Center accepts a lot of in-kind gifts, food. You can come in and serve a meal at the center. We've had a lot of volunteers come in to Friendship House to work with the kids after school to do tutoring and things like that. Um, we had a lot of volunteer services to decorate the home when it opened in 2006, and then each year we sort of redecorate and have to touch up, and people who maybe that's your gift or your passion, you could come in and use those to help at the house. Okay, so if your passion is homelessness or poverty or families, children reaching out, uh, just reach out to uh, the Friendship House and they'll find a place for you, basically, Absolutely. right? definitely. Okay. Well, thank you for being here today. Um, if you could share with our listeners uh, contact information, what's the best way for people to get a hold of the Friendship House? I would say through Cathedral Center at www.cathedral-center.org, or you can call us at 414-831-0394. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Amy and Obi, for being here and sharing your passion with us on how you want to reach out and help. 
Um, I'd actually like to thank all my guests today, Donna Rungholt-Megan, Executive Director of the Cathedral Center, and Dan McCarthy, friend of the Cathedral Center and former board member, Amy Janenga, board treasurer, and Obi Wabuzer from the Friendship House in Milwaukee. Thank you for being here today. If you'd like further information about the people or the organizations we talk to, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com, or you can call our office at 262 691-3200. You can tune into our show a number of different ways. You can turn on your radio, listen on the AM dial. You can fire up your laptop or your tablet and go to newstalkradio.com. Or you can tune in via the iHeartRadio app and listen on your phone. You can even ask Alexa to play WISN AM 1130. You can visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows. And you can also now listen on demand on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts. Join us again next Sunday to hear more about how some great nonprofits are making a difference in our community and figure out a way that you, too, can make a difference. Find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a great Sunday.